For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac. Don't be a commoner. Listen to The Geek Show. Welcome to the very intense geek show, where we are talking about intense games, intense movies, intense everything. Someone set us, someone set us up the bomb. The terrorists have the president. The promise tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the intensity is just building up. The virus has mutated. Well, it's, we're jumping on the other side of the fence from last week, because we did sort of relaxing stuff. So, this week's more intense than a carry-on film's blooper reel. <laughs> That's where all the racist jokes come out. <laughs> it was tame before that. This anyway, is where it gets dark. I am Ben, more <laughs> intense than Ornstein and Smoke on a Guitar Hero controller. References. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Dave, I'm more intense than the social scorn of eating the last after eight mint. Brawls are better. And I'm Ryan. <laughs> And I'm correcting Dave. <laughs> and we also have Rob. But he's I'm Rob, one. and that's more intense than that moment right there. <laughs> I'm Rob, and I ate the last after eight minutes yesterday. You plot twist. <laughs> I am not allowed to say the words that I feel for you right now. I oh, you love cat. me. <laughs> And if you want to get involved and you have anything more intense to add, hit us up on the chat box. Yes, yes we should, have a chat box. If you're listening to us on thegeekshow.co.uk, look to your right and then click on things. With yes. those eyes. Click, click, click with your click. eyes. Not with your hands. We don't have time for hands. It's too intense. Google Glass. <laughs> what, so it, it responds to nothing, the thing, rather than touching it. Yes. <laughs> That's the future. That is the future. How yes, is everybody anywhere? Um, we're all good. Sick. Kind we of can... intense. <laughs> yeah. I just do, in preparation for the show, I've drank three cans of Monster. That's how intense I am. <laughs> so you're going to be up all night vomiting now. Yes. That's how Monster yep. works. That's the plan. <laughs> for the time being, Dave is going to be playing the role of Taz. <laughs> <laughs> I will eat this, Mike. <laughs> it's not what, even... the wrestler? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dave's got Dingo. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, anyway. Charles Stone knows what that is. News. 
Yes, we got some news. Starting off with uh, Marvel. Intense news. Yes, intense, mar- intense news to start off with. Marvel has signified the end of the universe. The end of the Marvel universe, as yes. we know it. Again. Also the end of the <laughs> Ultimate Universe. The end of all, like, split Marvel universes. Everything. Ah, marvellous silly sausages. Um, they want to <laughs> combine it all into one easy-to-manage universe. Don't be silly. They've got, like, 40 universes at the one time. Why would they want to do something easily? <laughs> well, yeah, well, hopefully it'll, like consolidate things into a more easy-to-understand package. Mm. More accessible. Well, that's the idea, but it's never worked. It's always really hard to get in as a new user. But for your casual new user, if you go to the shelves and you see four variations of Spider-Man... Oh, no, but there's that, and you go to four different comic shops and they'll give you four different answers. There's no, like, definite, this is the beginner's point. It's all... Mm. That's that's the problem. Speaking of uh, Spider-Man, the Spider-Verse comics is where this uh, event is starting. Uh, Currently, there's an event going on in Spider-Man where all Spider-Mans from parallel universes are meeting up because they've discovered something is killing off things. I think you said off air, it's basically a popularity poll, isn't it? Pretty much. Well, they haven't said that, but the... Wherever there's multiples of characters, they're only going to be keeping one. So whoever's like tests best with the audience is who they're going to keep, really, isn't it? Well, I do hope it's Miles Morales because he's the riskiest of the the Spider Men. They'll probably find a way to. Ha- he's actually visited. As long as 61... they keep Spider Gwen, I'm happy. He's visited <laughs> uh, the six one six universe. So if yeah. they can get away, so if they can get away with keeping Peter Parker but having Miles Morales as well is probably what they'll do. I hope so. Yeah. Because there's not enough risks taken. I mean, uh, the... Oh, speaking of, how does uh, Miss Marvel feature in that? And they're not sort of... I think they're keeping Miss Marvel. Oh, no, no, the current one. Yeah. The, yeah, the, yeah. I can't remember the name, but the Muslim one that they've sort of crafted now. Yeah. yeah uh, I think she, they're going to keep her. That's too new and it is popular. So yeah. It, yeah. I, I think um, she's actually involved in the event. So it, it's basically the multiples is what they're getting rid of. Yeah. yeah. And imagine there's a lot of multiples. Oh, Because yeah. it's Marvel yes, and they don't do things easy. But I think it's around March that things are kicking off and then it's going to conclude uh, around April, May sort of time. It's weird because yeah, aren't DC doing a universe ending thing as well Oh, this DC year. end the universe every couple of years. It, the, there was um, oh, the, Infinite Crisis. There was a there kick- was Crisis on Infinite Earths. There was... 52. There was the Kit Kat incident. There's a Kickstarter going on. <laughs> There's a Kickstarter going on now that was sort of floated around Facebook. I think it's on our network. In joke, kind of really uh, to kick it off. But a Kickstarter how uh, Batman started off in the Civil War and it's been passed on from generation to generation oh, after that. Oh, no. And it's going to get cancelled, obviously. It is. But the that guy... idea, it, there's basically been that many Batmans that could actually be a viable truth. Because there's been too many, frankly. Too many different versions. He's died too many times. It's it's, it's worth mentioning, ludicrous. as part of the Kickstarter, one of the rewards is a piece of stolen artwork on a T-shirt. And, <laughs> and part of the things he's budgeted for in the Kickstarter is flying to DC headquarters to pitch it to them. Yeah, that's kind of the first thing you do. Yeah. <laughs> in a case like this. <laughs> okay. Also, the guy, um, if you read through his stuff, blatantly doesn't proofread any of his... Any of the, the press releases he puts out, or any of the comics, if you read his pages. Oh, dear. <laughs> mm. Oh, well. Uh, we could go on about this for a while, so... Next next story, Rob? Yes, uh, Scottish scientists have slowed down the speed of light. With copious amounts of whiskey and iron brew. <laughs> and haggis. Deep fried it. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Yeah, just, 
Uh, Racist stereotypes aside, that's that's kind of a weird news story. It is. Um, a team of physicists. Does it make equations work out better? If uh, I don't know, uh, because I will explain. The, it's, the it's, speed of light is meant to be a constant. Yes, in EMC it squared, it is c. Yeah, um, and that's meant to be a universal constant. Yeah, it is. Um, but uh, a team of physicists at the University of Glasgow. They've sent photons through a mask to change their shape and then rest an alternate, an altered photon against an unaltered one. Over a distance of one meter, the team observed that the altered photon was slowed by up to 20 wavelengths, demonstrating for the first time that light can be slowed down in free space. I need subtitles. Okay, so if you... <laughs> so basically what they did, they changed the structure of light to, slow to it see down. if they could slow it, like... So is there any natural ways this could occur? Like if light passes through something really... If, if light passes through molasses, will it get like slower? Uh, no, that actually changed the, change the shape of the photon itself. You know, the photon isn't going to change through... Uh, th- unless you do like all, all sorts of wackadoodle experiments on it. Um, so Is there yes. any way we can make photons faster? Can we draw stripes on the side of them? Well, can we put nitros on them? I don't know. Maybe a big spoiler? Yeah. So, um, big spoiler. Yeah, uh, big spoiler. I think if... Um, Big spoiler. I, I know, big, loads of big spoilers. <laughs> I just said um, one, but... Uh, if you can slow down light, could this be used as a way of doing invisibility? Possibly. Because if the light isn't moving as fast... Maybe not invisibility, but you move somewhere and it doesn't show your image till after you've gone. Ooh, oh, I see where skills. Ben's going there. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, like the light doesn't hit you until... Later, so your image won't appear till then. Like that could be cool. I know there's so many guys. There's so many guys I'd know. The first thing they'd use that for, if they could get it, so you had the tracking effect on it. They'd do it for that Bruce Lee thing where he's doing all the spinning hands and stuff like that. <laughs> the first thing they'd do is that. Goku can do that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think Tianxin does it as well, where he appears to have eight arms by moving them fast enough. Yeah. Mm. Um, Why so, does he have a third? No, no, not finishing that sentence. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anyone knows why TN has a third eye. Mm. <laughs> um, not going there. Oops. <laughs> not going there, not going there. Anyway. Um, if you know why TN has a third eye, please tell me in the chat box. <laughs> and we'll never broadcast it again because yes. it's filthy. <laughs> Moving on. Um, Simon Pegg has landed a job on Star Trek 3 co-writing. He did. He has been Scotty, much yeah. to the consternation of the internet. But he did the co-writing for Spaced and the... Uh, the Cornetto trilogy. Yeah, I was thinking what the term it has. It changes <laughs> yeah. every week, that trilogy. But uh, he, Hot Fuzz, uh, <laughs> Sean of the Dead and uh, World's End. He co-wrote, but the thing is, when uh, Edgar Wright, who left, went on his own passages new, his standard was just as good. So I don't think Simon Pegg was... You know the gag in Family Guy where they were on about Matt Damon and Ben... What's he called? Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck writing uh, Good Will Hunting. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking of. I, it, I'm not sure. Um, but Because all, all we've seen like Simon Pegg do solo is like acting in other people's things, like Paul and uh, yeah. How to Get Ahead in... Uh, how to Lose Friends in Alien Pit. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the one, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we haven't really seen much of his writing in feature films yet. No, no, I mean... Yeah, he could it, be it, just as good. It can't be worse than number two. He could just be writing the comedic elements to it because it seems like in the Star Trek films, it, all the Scotty bits are probably the funniest. Well, he is a pretty big 
geek and I think I'm assume Star Trek is one of his things because he did shout that oh, cool it was to be playing Scotty when he was you know yeah. announced as it so there is an adulation there but one that's, that's my, not always a good thing one of my favourite sketches was Simon Pegg and Nick Frost it's on it's on YouTube it's uh, them recreating the uh, the scene in Star Wars with uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 in the desert and yeah. oh, it's amazing uh, it's on two layers because Simon Pegg is playing 3PO and also trying to get Nick Frost to state the script <laughs> <laughs> and they did appear in Phineas and Ferb as the characters from Shaun of the Dead all right, and yeah. a blink and you miss it cameo in a zombie episode. I don't know. I don't watch <laughs> Phineas and Ferb, but it was there. There's so much he, good stuff I've heard about Phineas and Ferb. I don't watch it. It is good. I've watched it. It's funny. But the problem with this next Star Trek is who's going to direct it? Because we're talking about ex alumni of Next Generation, and like JJ uh, Abrams has dropped out of it, mm-hmm. obviously, because he's trying to do Star Wars as well. That's you can't do both big Star yeah, series. He's a conflict of interests. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the interesting thing, because the script is only as good as the director who brings it to screen. Because you get some pretty sleazy crap in the 70s and 80s that translated the good films. Yes. And that- you get great scripts that translate the bad films. So. And, uh, by the way, yes, Stargate, he did say both big Star series. As- well, they don't have a movie. <laughs> they don't have they, any. They have a ton of movies. They have two or three movies, but they're all awful. It was straight to DVD. Exactly. And uh, Stargate is great, don't get me it wrong. Had, I'm, no, not, it had I'm not one, pushing... It had one theatrical them. release movie, and that was the original Stargate. No, it had two after that, and they're not very good, but... Theatric... No. I mean, cinema. Cinema, Stargate. Oh, he's put me in a hole now. <laughs> Story Stargate fans. <laughs> 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 but you know my point. It's, it's a it direct... The writer is only a part of the picture and they haven't got a director yet so that's going to be the big telling point as to whether the new yeah. Star Trek yeah. movie is going to be anything yeah get, get Edgar true. Wright to direct it oh, oh done he can't get kicked off every project these days so yeah. <laughs> well he got kicked off Ant-Man but that's because yeah. now it looks terrible yeah, yeah it does it's like he was trying to make a good film like, oh. and they just didn't want that no they wanted he's too, he's too much of an outsider and Michael didn't conform Douglas. to uh, Marvel standards, like the multiverse Marvel yeah. thing. So yeah, oh, yeah. Well, but he, you might have said that about Josh Whedon before he got in there. True. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He's not much of a stylist as Edgar Wright, I don't think. But he's still a bit a uh, big punt out of the blue for them. Yeah. Right. Um, moving on. Resident Evil. Universal Studios Japan has got themselves a Resident Evil attraction. And then some. This oh, is this not is, just. Is this like what the in Halloween America have like a series like a mazes like tied to like movies or like The Walking Dead or something, and you go through that. Basically, is yeah. it something like that? They sort of yeah. like that, but more. The Universal Studios Japan have like put out a lot of trailers for a lot of stuff they're building. One of the things looks amazing. If you're a fan of Attack on Titan, they're doing a life-size recreation of the uh, of like the streets and uh titan Aaron fighting uh the female titan it is like nice. life-size you can actually go in the buildings and see it okay uh the what's a little bit creepy is they've created the characters life-size as well but mm. in the anime style okay i mean this resident evil thing is a lot like what rob's saying basically but the question there's so many questions there i mean resident evil has such a vast sort of yeah uh, mythology Mm-hmm. where's the through line in there that they're making this well ostensibly you, the, you go in and you're at Raccoon City Broadcasting Station whatever it is you're there to see uh, kind of a filming thing about Umbrella Corp 
and then your tablet goes off, you have a puzzle, and you need to solve the puzzle to get out of the four-story building. That's kind of alive. dumb. Um, that's, it, it, that's kind of dumb. It sounds very Resident Evil pun- puzzle-esque. Oh, like, it's like one of those puzzle rooms. Yeah, they're extremely popular. They're, they're yeah, standard, they're, they're, they're become, huge in Japan. Basically, yeah, basically. They're, they're starting to come and over to uh, America you, now. They've thrown in really people well. acting like zombies as well. As we, yeah. as we were talking about intensity, if you uh, look up uh, any trailers of the the Ava ride that they've got, yeah, that looks really cool. The, the, they are trying to kick up the intensity with that, with a full-on angel attack. <laughs> so Do you have to wear plug suits to ride the, ride the roller coaster? <laughs> form fitting for extra no, some of those forms I don't nothing want them to fit all. on nothing at all for nothing extra fans I've, I've, I've seen some of those forms don't fit them no I can't tell that story doesn't matter <laughs> move on yes anyway moving on Brandon um, Roof having to be photoshopped let's just say that <laughs> yeah don't go there Superman Returns yes <laughs> look it up oh don't Anyway, um, moving on. Uh, The U.S. Navy is going to show its pride and joy off at the Naval Naval Future Force Science and Technology Expo, which basically means if you're a spy wanting to know how things work in the American Navy, you don't need to sneak on board a battleship or something like that. Just wait for the expo to roll. So, what are they showing off? Their railgun. I want it. That 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 really really top secret weapon that they denied ever having you know, for like a decade. You know when I first heard the term railgun, I thought it was a gun that shot trains. <laughs> <laughs> well, reality is not quite as nice as that. No, it's better. <laughs> it actually it, it it works by electromagnetism, like re- repelling an object at massive speeds or through a rifled barrel. I prefer a gun that shoots trains. I think that's... Yeah, but... Trains with bears. With a railgun, you don't need ammunition that's got, like... uh, It doesn't need to have, like, explosives in it. You know, like, um, essentially, a gun has a small amount of gunpowder in the bullet that that gets hit with a hammer. doesn't need that. You could put, like, a lump of metal in a railgun and still achieve... Or a train. You could shoot a train with it. With a big enough railgun, you could shoot trains. And, and I'm pretty form. sure the Navy is building a huge... And the entirety of the plot of Metal Gear Solid was... Uh, well, some of the plot of Metal Gear Solid was the um, Metal Gear Rex had a huge railgun on it designed to shoot nuclear warheads. And as these nuclear warheads didn't have to have propulsion mechanisms, you know, they didn't have to have a rocket strapped to them, yeah. they were undetectable by current radar standards. Because it was just firing a giant warhead at you basically yeah it was just firing a giant lump of metal really okay so with so metal gear confirmed like yeah. they're working on it it's well, happening mullets, if it's got a bipedal platform that it shoots from mullets yeah. exist gibberishes exist all that was left is the real <laughs> one and there we go problem solved <laughs> problem solved yay the patriots <laughs> yes <laughs> lali lulelo sounds like a song yep are we done? Yep. Next no. story. The last one. Robot Revolution news, first of the year. Yay. Right. Remember a while ago we were talking about this robot from Boston Dynamics called Atlas? Um, Can it, it lift things? Is that why we talk? It Does it come with an emo haircut? Not emo. An e- uh, anime haircut? No. Does it come with Peabody in Portal 2? That was a Persona reference. <laughs> oh, well. My Persona reference was lost. Basically, Atlas... Um, right. The original version of Atlas wasn't, uh, you know, as if it wasn't unsettling enough. It, uh, it's, you know, ahead of the DARPA Robotics Challenge finals in June, 
about 75% of the robot has been redesigned and rebuilt to make it stronger, faster, quieter, and less encumbered by cables. It's got a ma- it's basically ca- packing a battery pack of its own so it can go autonomous. It's gone wireless. Yeah. It's basically um, Captain Scarlet. It doesn't need the umbilical cable like an Ava. No. It, it's, it, the, the thing that's scaring me is the quieter part. You know, you can, at least so, if you hear the ka-chunk. What's you can, Atlas for? Atlas is... Assisting with the elderly. Atlas <laughs> is not for assisting with the elderly. The way it's designed, it looks more like it's for assisting with the military. Open and pickle, pick, uh, onion. If I'm thinking about the same robot, uh, the original one looked like an early version of the of a Cylon. Well, the thing, no, the, the reason I said it's, um, uh, helping the elderly is it's one of the excuses they use to make awesome robots. And awesome like, exoskeletons, yeah. But I have, not, I have yet to see an elderly person. Jars and help the elderly. Also carries a five kilogram minigun in case intruders come in the house. Yes. Yeah. This is the Killbot 5000. It can help old ladies across the street. <laughs> LA fat baits for your hip hop as well. <laughs> it's all purpose ro- robot. But yeah, I've yet to see an elderly person with one of those exoskeletons or uh, assist- a robot assistant. Yeah. Tell you what, I want to. If I had a robot as an old person, I'd just have it carry me everywhere. It's like, walk me over there, robot. Like, Are you going to be like. A, a, like a Roman emperor on a couch getting the robot to feed you grapes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I'm going to be that robot from Futurama. Jaunty. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's a hedonism bot. That's the one. I couldn't think of his name. So, um, yeah, so they're making a robot you can no longer hear coming to kill you then. Yep. <laughs> so, at least before and you, you had all thought I was paranoid for no the- reason. This is we, Robot Revolution came from the gag of Skynet. It seems yeah. that this robot is the instigator. Although they he said the sky, yeah. said it has less wires, it still has wires and cables and stuff. So as long as you stay like far away enough from a electrical socket, you're fine. Just wait until the battery runs out. Yeah, basically. But what if eventually the AI takes control of the 3D printers to create its robot army? <laughs> Yeah, also, what if they uh, include uh, charging mechanisms like piezoelectric crystals, solar charging, that sort of thing? Then we scorch the sky. (laughs) (laughs) Then it'll just be, then it'll just amount a human on its back and use that as a battery. But does it have Wi Fi? (laughs) (laughs) No, but it might have Bluetooth. It's going to be let down (laughs) by the poor servicing, like, oh, I've got no signal. Set it to kill mode via Bluetooth. Do you know, that was, that was absolutely a guy response. As soon as you mentioned Bluetooth to most guys, they go, ooh. <laughs> Bluetooth's useless. I know. It's useless. No, it's I want it. Never, really not. never used it, never will. I can Bluetooth my camera to my phone so I can take pictures on my phone with my camera. And that means I can do very elaborate selfies. I'd selfie six Bluetooth. My watch hooks up <laughs> yeah. um, by Bluetooth to my phone. We I, I've that, got a we? watch, and you see, if you move your angle right to your face <laughs> and then nod your head down, perfect. The thing is, I can call people on my watch. Huh? Isn't that cool? I, I haven't found a use for that, but I, I can. They won't answer, but I can still call them. <laughs> You're just like a nuts person. The old nuts guy that wants to sit next to the one of us, and always sits next to me. And always talks to me. It's that one started serenading me, for God's sake. It was weird. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, is that it for the news? Yes. Yeah. 
Hello, I'm John McShane. I've just finished a book called Robert Burns in Edinburgh, an illustrated guide to uh, the wonderful city up north, and you're listening to The Geek Show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the most intense episode of The Geek Show there has ever been or ever will be. Intense! No, that's just that doing the intense. That's your pants ruining, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> More intense than a MySpace profile pause. Will Ben rule it, wow. ruin his pants? <laughs> Find out next week on Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> uh, movies. We're talking about intense stuff, sort of the opposite of what we talked about last week. So stuff that gets you on the edge of the say it, stuff that has your heart beating out of the side of your face because it's so intense. So sort of stuff. It's so intense. We don't even have to think how that would anatomically work. That's a big thing. It gets about. <laughs> That's how it works. Uh, movies, though. Movies that you paid the whole the whole seat price, but you only used the edge. Hmm. In the the big seats, I like it full full, <laughs> full spread. <laughs> but uh, movies. Uh, when you think of intense movies, you think of action with the the sequences, the acting sequences, or horror movies where the, the the beast or whatever it is is stalking the protagonist. But does it have to be sort of genre pictures, sort of like, like I said, action and horror and fantasy and sci-fi to be intense, or can a, an intense film be of any sort of style? Like, can you have an intense romantic picture? Can you have an intense, I don't know. Uh, bad example but yeah an intense romantic movie an intense comedy i think intensity is sort of important to a lot of like romantic movies what you reckon how so yeah. actually i think he's right um like it's not like the intensity of wow there's loads of things happening and it's all intense it's an emotional intensity yeah yeah it's the yeah. closeness of people and just like the tension between them, waiting for it to snap and finally them to... I get you, more will they, won't they, than yeah. uh, DEFCON 1. I don't yeah. know if I'd describe that as intense. I can see where you're coming from. Certain type of intense. But I've seen so many bad romantic comedies that intense is the last... I wanted to get out there with an intensity. Quite a lot of the time they'll but. set up a situation that's lead... You, you know that, like... Stopping them at the airport before the, they leave uh, forever kind meet of... Meet cute, that's what they call those sorts of things, yeah. I'll leave cute in that case. Yeah. They are intense. Like, even though that's an easier way of doing the intense. Admit your feelings or lose them forever. Exactly. <laughs> Sophie's choice of romantic comedies. <laughs> but uh, dramas, dramas in particular, because uh, wa- on the uh, movie show, we reviewed uh, Whiplash. Yep. Which is about something as small, you think it's small, as playing in a sort of a university band or like having music lessons. But. It takes all of the sort of basics into account and actually manages to be intense with it. Mm. Mm. Especially with it being mainly around jazz, which is sort of very often quite chill and mellow and just sort of relaxable. But I, like we've said, like these things, the the scenes in particular that are intense are sort of high high energy or like this, there's big stakes where one mistake could sort of make uh, land the character to sort of lose everything. But uh, what about, can a movie be intense, the intense in its quietness? The reason I say this is uh, Inglorious Bystanders. <laughs> I can't repeat, I can't say the second word, but uh, I can't remember the name of the character now, Colonel Schultz, but it's, yes, it's played by, uh, what's his name? German guy? Yeah, I can't think of, he's uh, in everything now. Yeah, he, yeah. His name has just completely vacated the premises. Oh. 
Christopher Waltz, yeah. Oh, it's Christopher it. Waltz. He's not a character who, or an actor in that film, who is particularly intense. He's just quiet, and his gaze is just completely going through a person. Ah, I see. It, 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 doesn't, it, does a movie have to be sort of uh, overlord to sort of have you on the edge of your seat, or have you, like, really excited or thrilled about what's going on? Or no, I mean... Does it have to be... Can it be really quiet? In- there's classics like um, uh, Van Cleef in The Good, The Bad and The Ugly has an intensity about him that's not... Um, he's not shouting. He's never... Um, you know, he's never visibly angry at anyone. But you can see the intensity from him. Like, when he's introduced in that first scene yeah. and just uh, the intimidation and the intensity coming from him, yeah, that's yeah. the sort of thing that, like, you can put... Like, you can say about a character without, you know, just... Yeah, yeah, that, that kind of leads us to the next point, though. Uh, characters. Characters are the intense things. You yeah. can have, like, a movie which is not intense in the slightest. There's no intentions of being anything other than, you know, a, a piece of dramatic storytelling. But it has one character, one performance that elevates it into something where the stakes are much higher or it's got an atmosphere that's completely sort of uh, changed by his presence. Yeah. Because, like you say, I believe Van Cleef in the good, bad, and the ugly. Yeah, I mean, I could pick loads of examples. Oh like, yeah, there's absolutely loads. Oh yeah, I just thought I'd go for one that like yeah. was that universal. The, like, I think one. the best ones though was the characters that seem okay and approachable, but just have like a switch which just completely just makes them go off on one. The reason that it's so intense with characters like that is because you've seen the mellow, so the. The switch. Basically sort of. seeing the worst of someone. Yeah, yeah. it's the juxtaposition, really. Okay. Like, that you can, you've seen how... They've sort of dialed... You've seen them at a one, now you're seeing them at 11, puts it more of an impact than if you, they were constantly at an 11. Mm. Hmm. Definitely. Yeah, the most intense movie ever. This, this is Spinal Tap. It goes all the way up to 11, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll come 10 just be louder, but it goes all the way up to 11 <laughs> as well. Yeah. Comedies can be intense, though. Yeah. But, yeah, but mm. like a thriller can be more intense than an action film. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, one of the most intense films I've seen is uh, The French Connection. Yeah. But that's because of the sort of uh, the chase sequences and how they're being filmed. Yeah. But I mean, um, on the thriller side of things. Um, Films like One Hour Photo, where it's basically the you know, it's not so much the uh, the uh, the uh, the intruder trying to kill people. It's just the the person who's basically crept into your life somehow, and no matter what you do, they won't go away. Uh, that's kind of uh, lead on, but I don't believe I'm. I can't believe I'm saying this because I hate them. But as a means of sort of telling a story in movies, yeah, found footage. The very reason that's the found footage where you have like a character in your film who is holding the camera, so you are a character in the film rather than a spectator watching it. Like Cloverfield, that's a found yeah. footage film. The very intention behind found footage is to make it more intense to get you in the action more often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On paper, at least, because Wreck. Yeah. Wreck 1 and 2 are some of the most intense sort of 90-minute things I've ever seen. Well, yeah. Because it is no relent there and it yeah. places you in the action in a way that nothing else can. Loads of people found Blair which really, really intense. It's okay. Yeah. So, but it was like mm. at a time where movies were more polished, so even... Yeah. yeah. You, you know, it, it stood out. So it doesn't stand up now, <laughs> but... Do you know, I think, I think it's... The reason why fan footage it works as good as that 
for these reasons, the fact that it's uh, sort of visual impairedness, the fact that you can't see, it's not switching between other characters, and then you only can see so much. And I think that's another reason why uh, the most recent Godzilla film works so well, the fact that, you know, they only showed so much of him, and it was only towards the end when they actually showed him that. I don't know whether I'd agree with that. I I did not like Godzilla. I wanted to see more Godzilla. Yeah. Put it this way, right? He was in it eight to ten minutes. If that was any other character in any other film, that would be a cameo. Yeah. And to have that cameo, the title of the film, it's yeah, it's a bit of a crock. When you got to see Godzilla, it was awesome. The fact that you don't really oh, no, see much of in, the monster. In, in Cloverfield, he's a constant presence. He's constantly oh, making yeah, the constant city a But the fact about. that you can't visually see it because it's from someone's perspective, it, it's, oh, sort of that, uh, it, it's sort of that your mind's like, what actually is this thing? What uh, What's going to happen? It's the fact that, because you just don't know, because normally any other film, it might, I don't know, it would actually probably like cut to the monster what was happening, but because it's only from one person's perspective, it, it's just that, it, it really does put you in that position, really. So it sort of just go back to what you were saying, really. Yeah, I, I guess it was more that I didn't care about the character's perspective. Yeah. Um, I wanted to see more Godzilla. Yeah. And it would... I get the idea that tantalising me with more Godzilla it's works. The, it's the Metal Gear Solid 2 thing. Yeah. I wanted to see a giant Brian Cranston face off against a giant Godzilla. It's called Big Man <laughs> Japan and keep it away from Godzilla. It's got nothing to do with Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> and Brian Cranston is Big Man Japan? Well, no, it was just, if you want that sort of thing, it's in Big Man Japan. Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, pick of the Geek, then? Oh, have we got the most intense well, movie? Is that? Yeah. Well, intense characters, well, intense movies. We've got. Uh, did we do character us? Yeah, such? well, we kind of bled into each other hmm. as a, a thing. But we can talk around the sort of pick of the geek a little bit. All right, okay. Because I've got a few picks. I am assuming people have too. But uh, this, this is the most intense character and two like intense sort of movie picks. Okay. But uh, for intense character, for me, only one choice really. It's a Coen Brothers movie. It's Anton Chigurh. Uh, from No Country for Old Men. Oh, yeah. yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, yes. In particular, there's a moment. Uh, I mean, he, he can't, that sort of hyper-intensity is undercut by the fact that he has a really embarrassing haircut, the poor fella. But in the moment which sort of concreted, cemented him, sorry, as a terrifying sort of presence on the whole thing is the scene in the shop when he says, what's the most you've ever lost on a coin toss? Yeah. No, sir. What is the most you've ever lost on a coin toss? And then it just cuts to a shot of him walking out and setting. I think he sets the shot on fire, does he not? Yeah. It's it's just. He's now like an explosion or something. And then. Yeah, it's just such a. Yeah, it's a, he, yeah he's. It's a, it's, he's a, a genuinely terrifying person in that film, but he's also, whenever he's on the screen, you sit to the front of the yard seat because you don't know what he's going to do. Mm. He has a sort of quiet, sort of unpredictability about him. Can I add one? Of course you can. That's what the point of this yeah. bit is. Rutger Hauer in The Hitcher. The, okay. the movie wasn't great, but he was superb. That was the one that was remade with Sean Bean in his role, wasn't it? Yeah. That was a terrible remake. It was a terrible remake. <laughs> and the, movie, the original movie wasn't, wasn't great, and they made an awful sequel called The Kid. But uh, Hitcher, him as the psycho, the hitchhiking psychopath, was just brilliant. So many I, intense I, moments. I love Rutger Hauer in uh, Blade Runner. Yeah, for the intensity in yeah. that in the role as uh, a uh, monologue that yeah. was completely improvised, and that's that's crazy intense. Just the emotion that he puts up on that little one two minute bit. 
I mean, yeah. th- there's a brilliant scene in Hitcher where the kid is sitting in a diner eating some French, uh, eating some chips, and then Rutger Hauer appears next to him and says to the kid, "I want you to stop me," basically laying down a challenge. And then the kid is just kind of he's scared, but then he goes back to eating his fries, picks it up, and realizes he's about to chew on someone's finger. And Rutger Hauer's disappeared. Hmm. Okay. Anybody else got picks for intense characters? Um, it's from a TV show, not oh, movie. It's crossover. Yeah. But, um, I'm trying to remember his name. The guy who in Breaking Bad, the um guy who runs the um chicken place. Ooh, oh, yes. um, oh, never watched it. It's it'll, it'll come to me. It'll come to me. I know what you mean. Um, it's, it's really annoying me. So he's he's so calm, and that's why he's intense. Yeah. Sort of the Anton Sugar thing. Yeah, because yeah, he, like, he walks in and he's confident, he's calm, he doesn't raise his voice, he's not angry. And because of that, it's so threatening and everyone tenses up around him. Yeah. Because they're like, he should be shouting, he should be freaking out, but he's not. Mm-hmm. And it's like intimidating and... Because of that, when he eventually does... Yeah, when he breaks that... Yeah, when he calmness. breaks it, it's like... Because there's been major things where he should be proper angry, mm. but he's still keeping the calm face. So when he actually breaks it, oh, you're terrified of what he, he could do. he breaks it when you least expect it. Yeah. And it's just... It's just... <laughs> the intensity comes from the lack of intensity, if that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah. 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 Dave well, Ryan. like peaks and troughs. Yeah. Dave yeah. Ryan, you got picks or... Uh, pretty much uh, Jake and Simmons' character and uh, Whiplash, just the entire performance from start to finish, just intense. Well, I found him I found him generally too funny to be intense. Because uh, like I said in the movie yeah, show, there are, there's, there are one, there's like one line where he says, oh my God, you're not one of these single tear down the cheek people, are you? And yeah. That's just <laughs> such a funny line. It doesn't matter how you deliver it, that is a funny it, line. He does have quite a few funny lines, but... I think that kind of undercuts it a little bit. He is very intense. It it but. does, but and I suppose towards the end you can sort of be like, I could sort of understand. But there are many moments where it's like you wouldn't you wouldn't want to be in the uh, that position where no, he's no, stood no, in front no. of you. And no I think way. that's why I picked that. You know, it's a much more personal choice to you as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think it is. Because of your background in sort of doing yeah. music and performance, yeah. Um, I know that there was racing heavily involved, but the relationship between the two drivers in uh, Rush was really well presented. You know, there was a lot of intensity in that. But, you know, the play between the between the two of them, just the rivalry between the two of them. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of emotion in that, a lot of intensity in that. Okay. You got another pick? Or? I'm, try- I'm thinking. I've got two. Okay. I can just you drop go. in. Uh, the first one is kind of from Bigelow's 1980s vampire film, Near Dark. Oh, yes. Uh, this is... This film gets on un- right unfairly bad, uh, sort of criticised because it ends too cleanly. But you got to consider one thing: it was a romantic drama before it was a vampire film. But uh, the vampire aspect in the final third, it has uh, Bill Pullman and Lance Henriksen on the sort of you know biggest scenery chewing farm of their life, just as these uh, vampires, these monsters who have absolutely nothing to to lose in their sort of relentless pursuit of this guy who sort of betrayed them. Is just for a. It's like proper edge of the seat entertainment. It, it's it's fantastic. It's on. It's underrated. I think near dark. It, it's severely underrated, and that sort of peak to its moment. 
especially where uh, Bill Paul, Bill Paxton wasn't it? I said yeah, yeah. He has yeah. the flesh like hanging off of his face, yeah. and he's he's burnt to a crisp, and he's still pursuing this man, knowing full well that the sun is going to come up very soon and melt him. <laughs> it's just such an intense movie. It's mm. yeah, a really big fan of that. The other one is uh, Waking Fright. It takes something as simple as a man going to Australia in a city and the drinking <laughs> culture that they sort of established there and turns it into a genuinely hostile, terrifying, unpredictable sort of uh, atmosphere. Plus. Like, a, like a sense of atmosphere is very prominent there. And it's a very hard to watch film because of that sort of atmosphere, that intensity about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's working fright. <laughs> Sexy beast. <laughs> You know, what? you should have put him in the moot in the character. Because yeah, that's ben what Kingsley, I'm saying. Ben Kingsley, ben Kingsley in, in Sexy Beast is that was Gandhi. Oh my god! At one point, he was Gandhi, <laughs> and then he, he t- turns up effing and blind in it for Ray Winston. I know he's quite a presence in that film. Oh god, yes. The film is basically uh, Ben Kingsley, isn't it? <coughs> other picks from other people. I've done my full full house. Yeah. I'll drop one more, and that was probably Ryan Gosling's character, just basically the driver in Drive. Not really, so much, yeah, not so much an intense character, but it's the fact that you know we sort of the film alludes to you know like the the driver has sort of like a dark past, and but he doesn't mm. really go into it. it. Tries to focus on him trying to rebuild and start anew and get away from that. But it's uh, that famous elevator scene where you sort of just it comes out of nowhere and you see, you know, how violent this guy can be. And it, it really does like just push and just completely look at the character in a completely different way and sort of realize that, you know, this guy has come from a dark background. And I think that it, that was a good shock moment for me. And I think that's probably why I've picked that. I think we've talked a lot. It's been intense. We've talked a lot about like intense, like antagonists. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think the reason that, um, that uh, like Taken made a big impact when it came out was the the intense lead. Yeah, yeah Brian let's, Mills. Let's just keep this as just the first Taken, Taken one. Yeah, yeah. In the parody yeah. of the thing, and it comes yeah. to the sequels. Yeah, but, but just the famous phone speech. Yeah, and that that sets up an intense lead. Yeah, which is quite not that common in terms of in terms of intense characters. He does yeah. follow that in the grey. It's not a very hmm. much often seen film, but it was around the time the of The Grey is one. the one with the wolves, isn't it? It's one where he crashes in the sort of Alaska yeah. and he's being hunted down I by love wolves. The, he's I, a, yeah. he's a protagonist. I thought the ending to that was great. He basically plays the same character, but, yeah. you know, it's him against wolves. It's a, it's a, the thing that was great was, like, I haven't seen The Grey, but in Taken, I recommend he you, you was should, yeah. the yeah. force to be scared of. It wasn't the bad guy coming knocking down doors and stuff. It was him. Yeah. yeah. Like... The bad guys were bad, yeah, but this guy was terrifying. He he wouldn't stop. But in okay. the grey, it's different because even though he is playing a uh, very similar character, he's up against nature itself this time. So guess who's going to win? Oh, I want to see now Liam Neeson versus the Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's kind of a change of sort of uh, tone, though, isn't it? Because super like the hero in action movies where wise cracking idiots mm. and then mm-hmm. yeah uh, it probably started before that but Taken really turned the sort of the lead guy in an action movie into the bad guy basically yeah which was you know really interesting well, Rather he, like he the wasn't sort of the bad guy the Punisher though, kind of yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, he was always doing the good the right stuff 
it's just he didn't really pres- well, he, present himself yeah. while doing that. It's like he was doing horrible things for the right reason. Yeah, that's a different thing. He wasn't the bad guy because he was doing the stuff for Engaging right. Engaging Mary Whitehouse mode. But what good? What kind of? Uh, what kind of? Uh, what kind of example is that setting the children? Well, the children shouldn't have their children taken. Yeah. yeah. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think anyway, well done. Anybody boiled. got any last pick? Ad boiled. Uh, it's not really intense. It's just, it's just relentless. Uh, that's what I mean. It's a different kind of intensity just because it is relentless. Would have gone for the raid instead. That's oh, yeah. The, well, yeah. yeah the raid, if you want to pick like a John Woo one, I think like the final confrontation in The Killer is much better. Oh, than God, yes. In, uh, yes, yes. And uh, hard boiled. Yeah. It's the one that's been parodied so hard yeah. it's with like uh, jumping through the air dual wielding pistols and like white doves flying up behind you yeah <laughs> it's been in everything that it's been yeah. in it's also been in face off the white doves yeah well it was the same guy well, they're, yeah. they're in everything like he does so yeah it's, it's his tell I'm Christopher Sabat the voice of Roanoa Zorro and you're listening to The Geek Show on thegeekshow.co.uk dot what up uh, welcome back to the Geek Show on thegeekshow.co.uk. And this week is so intense, I can't think of a funny thing to say about it. <laughs> That's how intense it is. All of his brain cells have seized up in the tension that is this episode of the Geek Show. All of his brain cells have been seized by Liam Neeson. He's got a specific set of skills. No, not that yeah, happened. he's got a specific set of skills, yes. You know what's hilarious about Liam Neeson? Oh, the biggest action movie star in the world right now is 60 years old. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah. He, he was 60 when he made, about 60 when he made Taken. And that was so a few years ago. So he's pushing 70 now. He won't be far off it. Yeah, but then there's, there's actors that can carry that. Like things like Harrison Ford, he gets more intense as he gets older. Yeah, no, but <laughs> wasn't it in, in the news? Are you sure it's, not, uh, you you sure it's not just constipation? Hasn't he broken his <laughs> knee in the making of, or broken his leg in the making of... Uh, yeah, he broke his foot. Not the Wing Fright, uh, Star Wars. Yeah, he broke his foot. If Anchorman so taught me anything, it's that Harrison Ford is actually a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're on to games now. Yes, not Harrison Ford, but games, yes. Anyway, yes. Um, <laughs> You're leading this one, Ben? Yes. Um, yeah, Ben. We're talking about what makes a game intense, but there's loads of different types of game. You can have an intense puzzler. <laughs> yes, you can. Oh, Tetris when you those get three lines matched perfectly. When you get te- when you get Tetris going and you balls it yeah. up, that's the most intense moment. <laughs> I've got one turn left on Candy Crush. <laughs> no, it's like you, you've seen like I've seen people who like like Hey Ridge, do you want to? Shh only got two more moves and how to clear seven candies <laughs> it's like, it's like I, I watched a video of um, uh, guys from Rooster Teeth clearing panels on um, Peggle and like oh, Peggle's intense man yeah they've been like spending like the best part of like two years trying to clear every single puzzle of every single peg and just the intensity when they were aiming, like, no, you need to go a quarter of a millimetre to the left. Have they got, like, a protractor or something they put against the screen just to <laughs> kind of measure the angle? No, they were sat there with their arm against the thing to try and work out stuff, like, a see where it A protractor would be more and... accurate, guys. I know. Right. I'd argue that there's different types of intensity in games. I'd say there's narrative intensity 
if you've got context of built up to this point that this thing is incredibly important that you do, if this is going to solve the mystery, if this is going to uh, uh, like get vengeance for your uh, <laughs> for your dog, I don't know. But narrative intensity is a thing. When you square off about that final bo- against that final boss and it means something, that's an intense moment. If the game's managed to set that up well enough, uh, there's gameplay intensity. You know, when you're down to that last bit of health and you're like struggling for your life, that's that's I'd argue that's gameplay intensity. And then there's other sorts. I'd say there's like artificial kind of intensities as well. Um, fighting games do it a lot. Um, I drew a little thing on the board earlier, but often as you get closer to the uh, the, the end of your life bar. Um, it's it's further into the screen, further into the point you're viewing, nearer the timer. So you're looking at my life, the time left, and the, often the bar gets thicker towards the middle. And um, yeah, there's a lot of like little gameplay tricks that make things seem more intense. Mm. So like the UI can make things more intense for you. I mean, some of it's annoying. Like in Zelda, when you're down to two hearts, and it goes. Ding, ding, ding. But that's to increase the intensity, isn't it? To sort of like make. Oh yeah, it it makes you sort of like, oh no, oh no, oh no! You start to panic because there's noise. It means bad things, and so you know they use that in. You remember they remade they made the thing as a as a horror game, a survival horror game. Yes, Yes. and they had the fear meter on it. Yeah, you know they used that that really well in that game. I thought Uh, I never got that far into it, so I couldn't tell you. Oh, I, I, I was, shit. like, 10 when I got it. Oh, God, yeah. So I got to, like, the first time the head thing appears, and then I was I never picked the game back up. Do you want to know what the most intense thing in games ever is? When you have five seconds of air left in Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, <laughs> oh that, God, yes. That music. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, like, I remember there was a billion times on um, Chemical Works. There's just this part where you fall down, and you have to jump up, like, these... Uh, it was like yeah. rotating platforms, and I can never get the timing right. Yeah, and the water was rising, and I was drowning, and the music kept going. And <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and that, that would just make me panic more, and I'd end up falling. And oh, yeah, that is probably one of the most intense moments of my childhood. Horror is again intensity you know yes go hand in hand it's but i think that's the, the dividing thing about whether a horror game is successful or not really isn't yeah. it? yeah i thought alien isolation was very good at that with the mm. uh the motion detector yeah. yeah is one a useful tool and two so good at building the intensity to, to show how well, it worked that in m- the game and it worked in the movie exactly, in the movies yeah. as well to show how effective that actually works as a gameplay mechanic someone made a aliens isolation mod for Minecraft, <laughs> where it was like just the Minecraft thing, like, but because you use the same mechanics, it was just as intense, mm. uh, even uh, though it's blocks. That's now, ki- kind of a leading question is the success of Alien and others, a lot of like uh, monsters in there, but is a sort of immediacy of being first person make a game instantly more intense because you're I don't in think it more? So. I don't think so. Um, I'm going to uh, go to the, ori- the original Silent Hill for me was an extremely oh, no. intense game. Do you think that would be more intense if it was first person? I think it would be. I, I don't know. This I goes, don't know. Yeah, I think this goes back to uh, what I was saying before about 
visual impairment and not being able to see, and that works for like both of your mm-hmm. yeah. things, really. You know, you got Silent Hill, the fog. You know, you might be able to hear what's coming, but you can't see it because yeah. it's in the distance. And yeah. you can't also, react to it because the controls are awful. And yeah. that's <laughs> camera points as well for the Silent yeah. Hills. Yeah. Um, sometimes conservation can mm. really help with intensity. Intensity. Yeah. Because like you'd think throwing more more enemies, more explosion, more things would make an experience more intense. When actually, like, this is why the original, the, the original Metal Gear was a game changer because it was saying, if you go in all bl- guns blazing, you will die. That was related to that. I think Uncharted 2 is amazingly intense. And then they tried to say, oh, what was successful about 2 is all of these big set pieces. Yeah. It really made it pop. And in number three, it was basically a massive sort of uh, world smashing yeah. set piece in every level and it lost a lot of that magic yeah there, there was he was set pieces and paths to the next set piece yeah they lost the magic there yeah. I think number two really got that sort of well I mean uh, if you go down the minimalist route I've mentioned this game before Haunting Ground where you don't actually have weapons and your only companion is a dog you can't fight anything the only yeah. way to escape is actually to run and hide and that's it you, basically you've just got to hope that they don't notice you it's that simple and yeah. It's a really intense game to play because you've got no way of fighting back. Mm-hmm. So, um, one of my favourite examples of intensity um, through storytelling, like for a game that doesn't have really a story that's mm. clear to see, in Dark Souls 2, for all its flaws, had a great build-up um, for meeting King Vendrick. Because yeah. you're basically like, this guy was a god, so he was around for ages, and he's gone missing, he's somewhere in the... the um, <sighs> In, like, the graveyards under yeah. the castle. So you go in there, and there's armies of the undead. There's, um, like, just the lead-up to um, his, like, the room that he's at. There is, um, like, nine royal guards. And then you have to um, fight this guy who's just, like, this huge guy with a giant bell mace thing that can also um, cast curse. And, like, it's all getting so intense well, that's a lot of level design and pacing yeah. in there except then you go through to his um, room and Vendrick's gone he's a hollowed out man with like no conscience left he's just sounds great moment that he's just an undead walking in circles dragging his giant sword about like he doesn't even attack you he just carries on walking like, it's quite tragic as well, really. Oh, he is. Like, and as you find out, he worked out how to stop the the hollowing process. He worked out how to solve the thing. He just didn't have the power to do it. Yeah. So he took out his own soul and put in a safe place so that he didn't lose it. And that's so, the thing you thought beforehand. Yeah. It's, like, you just see he, the basically the empty husk that was his body. And yeah. It's like... It was all that intensity to nothing, and that was one of the best moments of the game. Sounds fantastic, yeah. yeah. Now, as well as, like, crafted intense moments like that, like, someone's designed that specifically yeah. for that. Oh, well, um, a moment like that is in number four, Metal Gear Solid, oh. where he's crawling through the uh, tunnel, Metal Gear uh, Snake, old snake. Oh, where you oh. have to bash the, the buttons yeah. in the microwave oh, yeah, to destroying his body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. actually. But uh, Dave um, was saying anyway. Um, in in the, contrast yeah. to the crafted moments like that, um, the player versus player a- a- 
the actions, like the multiplayer stuff, yeah. can create some of the most intense moments in gaming. Like um, they've just announced the lineup for Evo, and that's always sometimes uh, yeah. the place where you'll see some <clears throat> incredibly intense moments with Bomber like man. top flight people. Bomber man. No, Bomber I don't man. think Bomber Man's that intense. Four I think player gonna, Bomber Man. If you're going to go for intense multiplayer, it's sports games. Yeah, sports, sports games, games are but, the most intense. What? I'm sorry. Yeah. But the most intense and coolest thing I've ever seen in a game, it's a very famous video on YouTube. It's a guy on Battlefield 3. He is doing a jet fight and he flies up right into the air to which he bails out, pulls out a rocket launcher, shoots oh, yes. the other jet, fl- flies down and gets back in the jet and continues going. And it is the most want, intense and coolest thing yeah, I've ever seen. No, it, it, oh, it, yeah. It's really cool. But what I'm saying, something simple like Bomberman or a sports game, as Rob, uh, as, Rob, uh, as Rob mentioned, something really, really simple like that can create a lot more intensity than something like Call of Duty or oh, Battlefield yeah, yeah. because oh, well, they're a lot yeah. more complicated to... Uh, to they're a lot yeah, more complicated. Yeah. Some of the most intense gaming sort of marathons I've had were on micro-machines of all things. Exactly. <laughs> because there was a, 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 mecha- a mechanic where if you got so far ahead of the other person, it would get rid of you. Yeah. It would... You know, one point well, up to the other person, and that sort of very basic design. But my God, when there's you a game, the there's a game I recommend that you should check out with that okay. same sort of mechanic. It's called Speedrunners. Oh yeah, and it yeah. builds on that mechanic really well because um, that is intense gameplay. Well, it's, it's the same yeah. sort of thing that like once one player gets so far ahead of the others that the, the other one's no longer on the, yeah, the last yeah. goal yeah. is to stay on the screen it's kind of yeah. the very opposite of Mario Kart because that game's always accused of sort of rubber banding the opponent, so yeah. you never can be too far ahead. But at sort of but, I mean, Very basic, but yeah. brilliant, brilliantly implemented. It's why I mentioned Bomberman. Playing Bomberman with three uh, three other people is one of the most intense gaming experiences I've had because it's such a simple game. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is, it is a totally simple game to play, but that's what makes it intense because everybody can play it and everybody's got the same intention, which is just to win. I don't know if that's like quite true in that like it has to be accessible to be intense. I'm not saying um, accessibility makes it intense. I think, I'm I saying think simplicity makes it intense. I would say think no. about the Ken, think about I, the kendo battle we had at the quiz. Oh God, no, but that. th- that's one thing. Yes, yeah. but I think that also like the meaning behind things can really increase the intensity. There's people who, oh, it's, for it's, example, it's the people yeah. at top level of league that is yeah. their life. They're, they're sponsored yeah. to do that, and that, and so those games have a lot yeah, more they, meaning behind they, them. Because, they, they've got that intensity because their livelihood depends on it. Yeah. I'm talking about as a normal person who isn't playing for money or getting sponsored to play or anything like that. Simplicity, to me, seems to, seems to lead to more intensity when it comes to multiplayer. So, um, in multiplayer, yeah. I require high-caliber opponents. In that context, <laughs> yeah, I would agree with you there, Rob. Yeah. No, I see what I'm you not, mean, though. I'm not saying yeah. that over opposite what Dave said isn't intense. It's just... No, I'm not saying that We're talking about consumer level, not yeah. type of intensity. Crazy yeah. level. Well, that's the same with like sports, isn't it? That like yeah. um, The higher you go, the more intense the games are. But... At a personal level, yeah. the most intense game that you might have uh, uh, encountered might be just a Sunday league game that you were playing in and incredibly invested personally. Exactly. But, I mean, say you're, say you're a, a premiership-level player. You're playing for you know, Chelsea or Liverpool or Manchester United, someone like that. And you're playing against another high-level Premier League team or another high-level European team. <coughs> Man City. Rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mention Man City. I Before I beat them. Yeah, yeah that's it. I know. I've dropped um, But yeah, <laughs> imagine it was, say, Chelsea versus Bayern Munich. You know, um, that would be a really high level, really intense match. But let's bring it back to games. 
Yeah, um, I, I can't believe we're talking about intense multiplayer and no one has mentioned fighting games yet. Uh, yeah. Like the most well, entire... if, you're, if you're in the same room with somebody, yeah, I agree. Yeah, but oh, when you're yeah, playing yeah. online, you have this, I've lost, so I'm not going to finish yeah. this game. I'm just going to scarper so I don't Just get remember, top thou top shalt not rage quit. Local <laughs> local multiplayer on fighting games is incredibly intense. Um, yeah. Like, I fought in uh, the first few fought tournaments I fought in, games that I was very good at, that I'd, like, I couldn't do what I wanted to do because the nerves you have when you're actually in front of I people doing you it, you, you, you can actually okay. feel yourself shaking. A pick of the gig, then. Favourite moments in gaming. What was that? Sorry, Rob? Yeah, most intense moments in gaming. Ben's right. But I just wanted to add something to what Dave was saying and to what you and I have said as well. Um, that's me. Ha- yeah, that's Rob. Um, we were talking about, like, local multiplayer. It creates its own atmosphere. Oh, yeah. Um, you know... Well, it's kind of, it's a tragic thing there is, it's become an increasing thing of the past. I mean, exactly. fighting games do have it, but other than that, it's... Yeah. yeah. Other game, I mean, there's an, in, there's an atmosphere that you get when you're in a local multiplayer environment that you just can't achieve with online player. A pick of the geek, though, a most intense moment. I hate to sort of plumb this all of the time, but it really did just perfectly nail the sort of four-player uh, shoot-em-up uh, multiplayer. But it's time splitters, too. Yes. It was... When you got in the zone for that game, we banned monkeys because monkeys were too short and, short and they had an unfair advantage. <laughs> yeah. That was how intense the game got. It's the job. Yeah. We made that rule. We made that rule. It got intense, man. <laughs> Time Splitters 2 was amazing. Yeah. He couldn't yeah. beat the monkey. He was too short. <laughs> unfair right. advantage. Um, aside from... Aside from I'll, I'll talk experiences with fighting games because I've... I've I, I've been to tournaments, love doing it. But uh, aside from that, for the single-player crafted experience, I love what Platinum Games do. Yeah. Things like uh, One for 101, really hype all the way through. Uh, Metal Gear Rising was yeah. brilliant for that they, as well. They always know how um, to up the game. R- recently, Bayonetta 2 played really through that. Really bar with Vanquish, though. Yeah. That is the sole sort of <laughs> yeah. down point, I think. But in terms but of like the you. crafted, intense experience, like the last-minute parries and yeah. the, just the everything built into it is intense. You know, like... Not just the plot, but the gameplay itself. My first really intense moment in gaming, hypersports. What the doodad is that? Button mashing. You remember the old... What, you mean international track and field? Uh, well, that's... You get the, you get the thing hypersports down there. Hypersports was there first. Oh, no, but you get, like, the patter down there and you... Yeah, you uh, button basically, bashes. yeah, but, the button but bashing games I get like what that. you mean, because um, there was a game that me and my mates used to play that was, like, a Naruto fighting game. But to get off the specials, like... Uh, like rows of buttons would come up the side and whoever won um like you'd either counter the super or they'd hit you with the super so you'd just be there you and your friend entering in buttons frantically and it just this was even was worse than that because oh, there was only two there were only two buttons and yeah. you basically had to hit them repeatedly i don't even remember what the buttons were it was square and x and the hundred meters you have to bash the square and x as fast as you could to win it was uh, uh, when I played when I played international track when I played track and field. It was just a red and yellow button. It was the same <laughs> thing basically. But I think Ben and Ryan haven't. Had yeah, um, in, I'm trying to pick one of the moments. I, I don't want to do, but like say the whole of Dark Souls. But um, that was a good moment though. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dark Souls one. Um, one of the first bosses you come against is. Um, the tower gargoyles. I said, you go in and you, um, you're fighting, you, um, 
like knocked down like half its health, and then another one turns up and yeah. starts breathing fire and just like. But I just oh. beat that guy. Yes. <laughs> exactly. You're barely holding your own. And then another guy comes and introduces new mechanics. It's like, like when you finally got that hit in. Oh, oh I felt good. Shivers <laughs> up your spine. Is this like in uh, Metal Gear 2 with, uh, we've built up the Metal Gear Ray the entire way through. Now here's 30 of them. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, a lot of intense moments in The Last of Us. In yes. terms of uh, narrative mo- and gameplay. Yes, That's yes, just yes. The, the sort of intensity where one mistake and you uh, not stop, you know. Yeah. Yeah, um, but uh, I'm, the example I'm going to use to avoid, like, spoilers mainly is uh, the moment where your leg gets caught and you're basically dangling upside down while oh, yeah. waves yeah. and waves waves just come at you and, you know, the controls are sort of, like, inverted and just really horrible and you're swaying a lot and it, it's just really you, intense. The camera itself's upside down, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and then having to reload as waves and waves come in, you're just like, hurry up, hurry up. But, uh, no, uh, where I'm going to go off that, though, is just uh, last stands in games in general are just always intense. Oh, yeah. Like, yes, the moment yes, with yes. Uh, Ellie in Last of Us. Yeah. That was a great moment for that, I think. Oh. That last stand. Is this, is this allowed as a spoiler for Crisis Core, given that you already know it before the game begins. Yes. Go for it, yeah. Uh, but the final bit of Crisis Core is, yeah. if you've played Final Fantasy VII, you know that it's going to happen anyway, but uh, Zack dies in a horrible, drawn-out, long last stand that you get to control. Yeah. And uh, everything breaks down. The UI yeah. breaks down. The um, y- Yeah, it's you- really well done. It's a really well done last stand. And as I say, it, yeah. it's something because it's a prequel. You know it has to happen. Yeah. But as a player, you try to do everything to stop it. Oh God, yes, yes, yes. You can't because Zach's such a lovely guy. Yeah. The you ending know. of uh, Red Dead Redemption as well. Yeah. Oh God, another yeah. really oh, good one. Oh, that was beautiful. Let's you, not mention that because that is a beautiful oh, moment. We don't want to yeah. spoil yeah. it. Do you know the most intense uh, moment I've had with survival horror games? wasn't with a survival horror game it was with the demo of silent hill that came with metal gear solid what the knife babies the knife babies yeah did it actually make it in the last game no it didn't that bit was just a demo it wasn't even in the final game that's the most memorable part of the whole series Uh, has it to say you know uh, it's it's just kind of wave after wave after wave in the dark with like uh, well you go down like you go you led in the game you go down this like uh alleyway behind the house yeah. and it gets to a bit of the like the, the, the garages are all blocking yeah. in the, and then wave after wave of small babies like wielding knives yeah. closing in you that's and a weird question destroy you hit to and you throw it in it. so late yeah. in the game but do graphics matter with intensity I don't think so it's drama because, I mean, oh, look drama at, of the moment look yeah. at something like the binding of Isaac yeah you know well I think that example with Silent Hill it stands yeah. up pretty well I mean, solid now but a lot of people talk terrible. about intense moments in Minecraft where yeah. it's personal loss you know yeah. when when something destroys what you've built yeah exactly okay. you're absolutely right hello I'm Professor Elemental and whenever I'm not riding a badger around my grounds or hitting my monkey butler with a stick I'm listening to the geek show and my god I love it you are listening to the very intense geek show at thegeekshow.co.uk and we are now onto the review section it's as intense as that time when you went to the toilet, when you needed the toilet at a train station and it charged money. That's an intense oh. moment. Uh, can you hold it till the train arrives? <laughs> you got to spend a penny to spend a penny. <laughs> There's a pun for you. <laughs> but we're in the review section now, and uh, we have three, as Rob suggested for that song. Yes. Uh, you're going first because I have Space Dandy. 
Yes, you've got Space Dandy. I've got uh, Space. Dandy. I've got Love Max, also known as Arcana Hearts Three. Why I play? Why I played and reviewed this game? I'm not sure yet. Nobody else would. Oh, <laughs> dude, I, I I totally would. It's a fighting game. Yes, it's a fighting game. Um, it's it's where waifu all the characters fighting yeah, game. Waifu simulator fighting I, game. I've all of the characters are female. Yeah. Now, uh, Arcana Hearts Three has been out before, but this is kind of the uh, the new and improved version of Arcana Hearts. I don't know why I'm what, saying H- it in H- that voice. HD. Um, it's. On PS3, so yeah. Uh, oh, well, okay. uh, the original Arcana Hearts was on PS3, Xbox 360, anyway. So, oh, okay. well, it's a 2D sprite-based game, yeah. so it's not really you can't much HD it much. No, oh, well, there are some yeah, differences yeah. to this game. Uh, you know, uh, everything's been improved. The controls are a lot smoother, everything like that, than the original version. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some. You know, it's got all the usual. It's got uh, all the usual game modes: time trial, story mode, yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. But it also has after story mode as well. Now. Okay. Whatever character you choose to play through, Arcana Hearts is basically like this. It's just you choose a character and then you choose. Um, I can't remember the name. It's like a summoned creature that fights with you. Now, if you want it on easy mode, it chooses whichever mm-hmm. creature you fight with. But you can also choose them yourself. So make loads of different combinations, which is an, which is a really clever idea. It's really handy for the versus mode. It's yeah. like um, it's a bit like choosing your different EX modes on like uh, things like Third Strike, but it's. Um, more a bit like a persona. Yeah, yeah, it is a bit like a persona. The problem comes when you are actually in the game fighting because they've shrunk the screen size down, and on either side of the screen there is your character, the character you're fighting, and they're basically doing the whole cheering pose until they get punched, in which case they start blushing and going mm, and stuff like that, and it's really distracting. I, think I don't think the original fine. was for arcades. No, so. the original game didn't have that. No, but the original was for our kids, and it was in a 4 by 3 resolution. That's yeah. why you needed the bars at the side to show things. That's why things like Darkstalkers have done the same, but it's not as intrusive. Yeah. Um, but this is the thing, you know, um, it's really distracting from the uh, from. Oh, the you mean like... It, it, em- emulates, it emulates sort of an arcade screen so there's like the gameplay bit in the middle and around the outside it has yeah. sort of dancing avatars or yes. whatever yeah want. basically they, ah, they right, react yeah. to what's happening on the screen that makes sense and it okay. really is distracting like in an RPG where a character would uh, have a, like a little character portrait and text box sort yeah. of thing but while you're doing a fighting game is a little bit too yeah, yeah. Too yeah. Much. that is quite it, distracting yeah it, 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 now apparently you can turn it off I couldn't for the life of me figure out how um, the uh, the the problem with that what, ca- did you not want to see your waifu in pain? It wasn't that. I just, it was just too distracting. I couldn't concentrate on the game when uh, when I kept you know my eyes kept being drawn to the you know you know eyes yeah, are drawn yeah. to anything that moves you know especially if it's the largest thing on the screen. Especially yeah, it is the largest thing on the screen. So it's so it's not unobtrusive like Doom Guy wincing when he gets shot. No, it's not. It's basically they actually change poses and stuff like that. He did the robot there, by the way, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, Arcana Hearts 3, as a fighting game, it's solid. You know, it's a solid fighting game. It's not the best fighting game I've played, but it has it has a lot of things to recommend it as a fighting game. As a game, though, because when you play through the story mode of the game, you basically, uh, if you complete the story mode with, of, uh, of the game with the characters then you get their after story yeah. opening up and then you can play through their after story which is different for every character 
Um, some of the some of the super moves that uh, are actually quite good. You know, they're really interesting, and some of them are really intuitive to pull off. But for the the thing that I just cannot get my head around is why all girls? Well, one thing I'd give the Arcana Heart series is like a bit of a um, a bit of a plus is that unlike a lot of games, even though you say all girls. There's still a lot of variation within character between there is, characters. There is a lot of variation between characters, but it's more like a it's more like a parade of potential waifus than it is. Uh, you know, a lot of them, else. a lot of them are like harem stereotypes. Yes, they are. There's uh, the you know there's the there's the little, the little cat-eared girl. There's the Miko. The there's the, the there's the Miko. I hear There's the uh, there's the waitress, the maid, the schoolgirl. All those. They're all there. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Even the nun. The nun is there as well. well fighting nun. Oh, this is a weird game. <laughs> what? No, Guilty Gear has a fighting nun. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, he's called Bridget. Oh, <laughs> very Arakawa then. Very yeah. Arakawa. Uh, is it a recommend then? Or is it- if you're a fighting game fanatic, then yes. If you or like. A fan of the series. If you're you? a fan of the series, then yes. If you are just interested in finding potential waifus, then yes. Okay. Uh, is that. That's it. I, uh, Space Dandy is out on Blu-ray. Probably, I think the second Dandy. edition, they did like the initial run was limited edition and sort of all all fancy and whatnot. This is the sort of consumer, sort of easier to get edition uh, by all the anime. And how to put the star, how to express the story of Space Dandy. <laughs> space Dandy is a dandy guy in space. Everything is dandy. Yeah, but the thing there, it's it's one of these series where it had, like, resets to zero after every episode. But the general plot is QT, which is like a, a Hoover. Space Dandy, who's like a... He's a, like a Dyson with a face, QT. Yeah, he, yeah. he's cute. He's a Space Dandy who's like a grease bar with like a pompadour. Not a very nice character. And Meow. Oh, it's impossible to pronounce his name, but they just call him Meow. He's like a cat from the planet Beetlejuice. Uh, and it just changed... On on the face of it, it's just such a juvenile series. It's it's very sort of style overload, and the character that are constantly clamouring over the next time they're going to go to a sort of Hooters style space bar called Boobies, which is like a space station in the shape of yeah. Like either side is like a giant mammary. That's the only way I'm saying it. Uh, but it's one of these series where you look at the surface; it's very juvenile. You dig beneath the surface, and it actually reveals some really quite clever sort of sci-fi uh, like uh, episodes. Some brilliant stories. There's the great stories in each episode, and it just it constantly surprises where they go and how they'll evolve a character. Yeah, and the directions or genres they'll Like this, the zombie episode is a common sort of. Uh, we're fans of it here on the Geek Show. It's it's a great episode. But, uh, the Leica episode was great as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was. Oh, so, this is the first. So this is the first series, so it's the first thirteen episodes of yeah, twenty-six episodes. But right. when you said style overload, it's in a way it's it, very bombastic. It's, it's very not flashy. style over substance because the no, style carries it. As yeah. Well. No, no. I mean, the substance is kind of lost when you first look at it. It's just when you pay attention to it and yeah. dig beneath the surface, you realise there's a lot of substance in it. Uh, but the box set is fairly light on extras. There's not a great deal there. But Space Dandy, I'm a big fan of it for the simple reason of it's got the best English dub. Simple. It, the English dub is... The Japanese dub is great. Oh, I've not seen the English dub The yet. English I, dub, I which it was... Entirely in- it's done by uh, Adult Swim. So right. It's like a really, really strong English dub. 
Uh, mm. Just as strong as the Japanese one. Yeah, but I, I, I watched it in the English dub, and it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. it really is. They're just as strong, the characters. Does it get across the... Because I, I love the voice on him in the Japanese... Uh, it, it's not the same voice, but it has the same sort of biker guy sort of vibe to the, way, the, the, the voice yeah. actor who did it. It's the one who did... Was it Lad Russo from... Yeah, uh, back and yeah. yeah. Ah, cool. Yeah, I yeah. see that. But it's generally, it's one of these series that give it a chance and you'll realise just how much the series has to offer and it has lots to offer. And the only problem is it's on Blu-ray, so it's kind of a blessing and a curse. Some of the expansive vistas and explosions look absolutely stunning. But on the characters, the lines are a bit wavy, so it really does exaggerate some of the weaknesses in the character design. Oh, right. I watched it like uh, HD on Netflix, and it, 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 it looked nice. It looks nice, through. but the big stuff is better, like more attractive than the uh, the small stuff in HD. But like I say, it's a series that give it a chance, and you'll realise just how much Space Dandy has to offer. It's a really, really good series. Series. It's like, what if the guys who made Redline did Futurama? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. It's also Shinichiro one Matanabe, who did, like, uh, Space... Not Space... Uh, it's Space... Uh, let's start again. Cowboy, Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop. Uh, Kids on the Slope. Kids on the Slope and Samurai Champloo. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a recommend from me. Recommend, recommend from all of us, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. All of it here. It's not often we all we are all in agreement about something, but... English dub is fantastic. Yes. I will say that. And I hate English dubs. I will go on record by saying that. But Space Dandy is fantastic with that. Yes. And you're doing Vinland Saga. Volume 4 of Vinland Saga by Makoto Yukimura. Um, I'll, I'll Basically, uh, this is going to be moving across to... The reviews of this series are going to be moving across to the comics and manga show that we're, we're launching. In, we're launching this week. Yeah. Um, but yes, in the meantime, this is Volume 4 of Vinland Saga. And... Uh, well, uh, the interesting thing is, uh, before I move on to the actual manga itself, at the end of the volumes of Vinland Saga, there is an extra manga called uh, For Our Fa- Farewell Is Near, or alternative title because goodbyes are coming soon, um, okay. which is about a star- samurai remembering his life before he's executed. Oh, so kind of like Harakiri. Uh, yeah, kind of. Cool, uh, cool. So, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, Vinland Saga continues the uh, the story of Thorfinn. Um, it's still at the stage where he is a boy, and he has been made the bodyguard of Prince Canute. What? Oh, as in King Canute. The, yes, uh... as in King Canute. Um, the story is set in and across, in and around England now, and the Norse are uh, on their uh, objective of conquering all of England. Is this when his change of mentality is starting to sink his change, in? His change of mentality has already sunk in, but this... It's consolidation. This, it's not consolidation. This has a very brutal ending for Thorfinn, and I'm not going to say any oh, more Is that the last that. one? Oh. No, it's not. So it's not really an ending then? It's it? not, no, this volume has a very brutal oh, ending okay. for okay. Thorfinn. Okay. Um, this part of the story, this chapter in Thorfinn's life ends in a way that he didn't expect, and yeah, uh, it sets the stage for the next volume, which I, uh, you know. So it's it's highly recommended reading. It's abs- of the manga that we are reviewing at the moment, I would say this is at the top of the list of recommended reads. In fact, um, until we start getting stuff by Naoki Urasawa, this is, and even then, this would still be at the top of the list. Really? I know what you people- think of Naoki Urasawa. You think he's like, I know, one of the greats of the farm. 
He is so one of the greats of the form, without doubt. But this is something that I would absolutely have everybody reading. It is worth it. Of a certain age, and because it's very brutal. I'll tell you something. If you're talking about intensity in comics, it's a rarity. Here it is. Good day. I'm Graham Stark. And I'm Kathleen DeVere. We're from internet comedy powerhouse Loading Ready Run. And if you are listening to the radio expecting to hear about butts, you are listening to the wrong show. This is The Geek Show, which is much cooler but has far fewer behinds. You're looking for The Butt Show. It's on the other side. Yeah. Anyway, we are now on our animation section, I believe. Yes, we are. Do you know, that, uh, the discussion there just sounded so awesome with that Spanish guitar playing slightly in the background. It was very accurate because he, he'd use it. Yeah, he'd steal that. It's going to be his next movie. <laughs> that's what he does. Yes. Hoi, hoi, hoi. Does this mean I get to be in the next Tarantino film? If you want to. Because I could make my career. It could. It could. Yes, it could. It could. <laughs> uh, animation, though. What yes, we, animation. Um, 25 frames a second of intensity. <laughs> well, yes and no. Depending by region. It is difficult. To, you've got to admit, though, it is difficult to achieve kind of intensity in animation. I disagree. I just don't think many people know how to do it. That's what I mean. Most people don't know how to do it. They try and rely on they try and rely on things that work in movies for animation, but they just don't seem to work in animation. Well, animation's a long form thing. Yeah. So sometimes the the narrative uh, intensity that you can put into a movie won't work in a long form serial thing. But not only that, the way they, the way they achieve that is through the TV model of a sort of reached in the, the episode. And you really want to know what happens next, yeah. next and, time? Oh, I, I hit you, Balls. I hit you, series. I hit yeah. you. But I mean, <laughs> uh, but I mean, there's other there's other kind of more structural aspects that they apply to animation, which you know, in in order to try and make things intense, but they they don't work. I it depends. I um, I think there's there's times it really can work. There's times you can be really nice and stylish. Is, you need to um, you need to raise the production level of the show itself really really high for it to work fate zero is a prime example i didn't really think that was all um, that intense no, to the, be honest i think that when when a show's writing still tight i mean yeah. like um bleach went off course way exactly off course. exactly but towards the beginning there was um there was a fight between ichigo and renji yeah that the final blow of it wasn't revealed until um you had a whole episode between when it happened and when you saw the result. Yeah. And that episode was building up the relationship between Rukia and Renji. Yeah. And it was actually quite a nice way to build the intensity and like seeing like what this fight kind of meant. It, for me, it drained the intensity. It kind of, I, I lost interest. It's more, it's more when they did it again with every major villain that it no, lost I mean, the intensity. At that, for me, at, right at that point, yeah, I'm more, it lost the intensity. You're more, you're more savvy to it all, or you've watched a lot more, so yeah. you've probably seen it in more cases than that, Yeah, it, that. it's an old trick that they've used several times. But as I said, that's, that's when it was still tight, and oh, when you've yeah, got to yeah. continue another 300 episodes after that point. Yeah. I think what's more of a sort of tell for intensity in, car, in animation or cartoons is the characters rather than sort of storytelling devices. Yes. Because yeah. look at Hisoka. Um, Hisoka is such... An intense character. Yes. But not necessarily the story around Hisoka him. Hisoka from Hunter x Hunter. Yeah. He, yeah. He, this, it's a weird intensity around him. It's, it's just a very sexual intensity, but, you know, it's scary. But not only that, um, uh, Kurapika as well, when he goes into his red eyes mode. Hmm. 
you know, when he's uh, when well, he's well, think, up yeah, against the spider. It's not just Hunter x Hunter, it is across a lot of series. You know? Oh, yeah. This is the thing. I'd say a character that manages to be very intense by actually the contrast in him is what's in, intense. Go is Or point. you could let me finish. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you've seen Trigon. Yes. Uh, Vash the Stampede pretends but, to be comedical all well, the way I don't through. Know, I don't know if he pretends, he just doesn't like what yeah. he's capable of. And so when you actually see glimpses of it, it can, like, the intensity level of the show increases. I think it's not so much the intensity of that, it's the intensity of him feeling like he doesn't know why his body is doing this, or he's genuinely scared, because he, he made, like, a hole in the moon, and he doesn't know how he did that, and it scares him. Yeah. But I think there's an intensity in that, yeah. The, con- really the confrontation where he has to get serious after... Between um, him and Knives? Yeah. At the end, when well, the the penultimate one is the one where he realizes oh God, he has yes. to get serious. Yeah, yeah, the first time he actually takes a life. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, yeah, it's a big intense moment but for the series. There's a question there: Does an intense character in animation have to be like super violent? No, because these examples kind of are like their violence, their intensity is in their violence. You know. Well, um, I think one thing I was mentioning while we were talking about the section was. Uh, there are certain anime that can make trivial things intense. Yeah. Um, you know, the in Yu-Gi-Oh, this one card draw can be the most intense thing. In a sports anime, this, this one point could be the most intense thing ever. But, you know, the, the little trivial moments that they make absolutely intense, if it's a baking competition whether the, the the door stays the interesting thing you've got there is there is an anime series and the arts it's very stylistic the art style takes a lot of getting used to it's called uh gambling apocalypse kaiju or kaiju ultimate ultimate survival Hang on, are you saying there's a series with gambling kaiju kaiji oh his name is kaiji you lost it there yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway it's one of those late like gambling shows of kaiju no the whole point of the the whole point of the series is he's basically uh he's basically a gambler um, and he's invited to take part in the ultimate gamble. Um, he's invited aboard a cruise ship, but then the ship, uh, all of the gamblers are trapped on the ship, and the idea is you keep winning or you die. It's that simple. Uh, I don't know. There's kind of violence in that. There is violence it's like in the that. Threat, it's the impeding threat that violence could but that's happen. But that's what I'm that, saying. That, that's, that's everything, everything in your life rests on the roll of the dice then or on uh. what cards you have. I can understand what you're saying, but I don't think it's any different than that. Um, I was so, the examples I were giving were more like the fate of the world rests on a children's card game. Yeah, I get it. It's the violence as well. I know. So, uh, there's it's like there's things like sports animes. Like, I can't remember the name of it, but um, there's like a volleyball one going round. IQ. And there we go. And like every match is like intensity. Like, oh, it's coming down to the last few points. The... Like, the angles that you see people doing, like, the crazy, like, art styles and stuff. It's just, like, it's so intense. And they're trying to win a volleyball match. Yeah. It's like... But the stakes are the same to them. It's like, they lose, the world's over to them. That's yeah. sort of hyper-competition. The, the, the stakes can be completely personal. I mean, yeah. Hajime no Ippo is still violent, but the stakes are only really personal. Yeah. You know, it's it's basically two people in a ring. Yeah. But... Obviously, they raise the tension levels to as high as they possibly can. Yeah. Well, I think part of the intensity from 
sports uh, sports uh, manga. Partly intensity anime. comes uh, and anime, but uh, yeah, sports anime uh, manga as well. Things like Haikyuu and Hajime no Ippo, uh, stuff like that. It comes from the fact that the character is depicted as giving everything they have to win that point, to win that fight. Yeah, and that adds to the intensity. The fact that. You know, it's written so that the character is giving everything. I mean, you wouldn't feel the same way if it was a slacker character, if it was somebody who'd been sitting on his backside, not putting in all the training or any, and everything like that. You know, Take not this, putting in the hours. My love, my anger, and all of my sorrow. Yes, tap. Ah, oh, <laughs> that that was G Gundam. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, you wouldn't feel the same way if it was somebody who'd been slacking off and just you know was just happened to be a genius at that particular sport. But you kind of just there's all shonen. <laughs> it is all romantic um, anime you can um the intensity of when they're the people are getting close and he hasn't announced his love but he's going to the nerves the build-up this is will she <laughs> shun me or not that yeah, intensity yeah it's, a, it's all it's sort of it's set up in a very similar way because the world will yeah. be over if she doesn't well, it's reciprocate an, yeah, yeah. It's, it's embarrassment there that's, but, the, that's yeah. the stakes so like they still have the stakes, they still do everything the same, but it can be applied to. I, I will agree, they've been there because it feels it, it's, it's a much more universal sort of yeah. understanding. There, it's not. I mean, you can understand that if one thing happens, that your life is over in a sort of very over dramatic sense. But relationships that you have with people is something that everybody will have through their life. So it's yeah. it's something that crosses sort of more like language barriers than. I don't know Goku blowing up that guy. Otherwise, <laughs> he's going to blow up my planet because that, that's just gibberish. In, mm-hmm. in the, in the sort of Namek will aspect, explode in five minutes, which is actually three 20. weeks later. Yeah, but yeah, I think Ben's hit on it there. It's the slice of life. I think that's where the sort of moments of intensity are at the highest. Uh, like certain points within uh, Kids on a Slope episode that's eleven. That's more drama than slice uh, of life. No, no, whatever it, whatever it is, whatever it is. But I think is it how many episodes is it? Eleven episodes. So episode ten has yeah character. Or hasn't he? That is an incredibly intense. And is it eleven? It might be thirteen. But whatever number it is, the yeah. penultimate one, it's that one where you think, has this fate happened to this character or not? Yeah. Is that sort of it it's something that happened to a lot of people and it's not world ending, it's just like if something happens that's an yeah. end of your period of your life and you yeah. you become an adult now and that sort of you don't want to have to happen moments. So yeah, um, that's, something that's universal. Everybody. That's definitely drama rather than slice of life. Whatever, like, whatever it is, you know. The whole idea of slice of life is purely it, 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 not it, much happens. It's still the same yeah. principles. Yeah. Um, universal principles, I think, is yeah. what intensity is that it's part yeah. with. The thing is, you get, when you watch, a cert- after you've watched a certain amount of anime, you get kind of jaded um, with, uh, with animation in general. You start looking for, because you start recognizing. The the kind of uh, well the tropes the, the, the tropes and the fake in, the fake intensity, you know uh, when it comes from the characters themselves when it's a well written character, um, you know putting everything into that particular thing, you know you can appreciate it for what it is. Okay. It's somebody trying to actually tell a story and trying to tell it in a certain way, and I'm fine with that. I think the issue it's, with animation is you need to establish some real like. Um, what would be the word? Consequences. Yes. Um, I think that might be slightly the issue with Western animation in in that it's the majority of it is comical. Yeah. So consequences are... They're non-existent. They're set to zero and the first, next episode starts from the exact yeah. same start point. I'm, but uh, let's move to the comics now. Yeah, we are just, one, just, just one very quick point. The, going back to the thing I mentioned about 
you know, taking stuff from movies. Um, it is purely that. That's what that's what throws me out. You know, it basically turns me off with particular shows is when they start copying things like when they start changing the art style uh, of an of an animation to basically say, oh yes, this is a really intense moment. So we'll come up with all these jagged lines and you know all this. You know, no, I like that. I think that that's a, a tool that animation can use. That movie doesn't have it its, its disposal in some ways that you can you can play so much with the art style and the presentation in a way that yeah. won't remove from for me the, it, but it, it, it can work but point. most of the time it doesn't work for me let's not get into that point we have got uh, but anyway today. yes but uh, comics uh, other medium have been sort of directed and tailored by a sort of a central creator so things like tone and pacing and all this is it's universal it's there it's laid out for all to say but with comics. It's a series of panels, so it doesn't have that sort of director pushing it in a certain way or directing it in a certain way. What's really there is the reader and their reading pace. So can there be such a thing as an intensity in a comic book when it's just your reading pace that sort of dictates that sort of thing? It depends on the comic book. I'd say part of the issue is just about like what, uh, what we just said about consequences Yeah, is that with long-running comics, you... W- Ah, the consequences are they they become dulled. Yeah. Well, with superhero stuff, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, they tend to be well, the longest I mean, running comics. Superman's been dead three times. Is that it? Yeah, probably more than that. I can only remember the major one back in the nineties with yeah, the four he, he, new one, ones. Lex Luthor killed him once, and someone else killed him once as well. Okay, so yeah, Superman's been dead three times, and he's come back to life. Mm, no consequences yeah, there, exactly. But it's it's more on a sort of a, a reader experience there. I mean, you tend to. to get consequences more often when in comics, especially in Western comics, when it's uh, when it's comics like Preacher or Why Is the Last Man, where they're actually dealing with more human characters and you know not the big bad spandex wearing superheroes. Mm. As I say, I'm not saying it's a universal thing that you mm. need consequences for tension, but yeah, but it's a helpful thing it, to it's have. Effective. Yeah. The thing is, it's a more human thing. You know, every, it's a more human thing. We all know that if we do this particular thing, something something bad's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but then the superhero comes along and goes, oh, I'm going to push this world-ending button. Yeah, if, like, I mean, if you're thinking Superman, with where he is basically a walking deus ex machina, yeah. who can do whatever the plot demands to save the day. Yes, basically. Then that destroys tension, that destroys... Yeah. Like that intense experience. I mean, the thing is, you know, these. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I like the comics where Batman doesn't win. You know, I like those ones where he doesn't win or where it shows the side of him that he doesn't want people to know about. You know, basically that he taking, is a psycho. Taking this in a different direction, I think indie comics or yeah. smaller sort of scale stuff has a more effective sort of uh, intensity Especially uh, mysteries. I think mysteries yeah. is a great form for comics to have. Yes. So, uh, I don't know, uh, Transmetropolitan. I think there's great tension in there by the actual misunderstanding or lack of understanding of what's happening. Mm-hmm. When you yeah. know the rules of the universe and you know that uh, Superman can punch a hole through reality, yeah. it doesn't really have any sort of stakes because of the sort of baggage with that. But yeah. with a series that's sort of brand new and fresh and you're learning about it as you go, I think there's more sort of grounds to understand the intensity behind there or whatever you know that's all yeah yeah well yeah i mean um like obviously like uh dragon ball's long-running manga and uh that 
the the first major death to happen in that was Krillin's. Yeah. And that that was a that was an intense thing. But later they're playing with the death mechanics after they yeah. understand them. Yeah. You know, they're exploiting them. It. Yeah. It's like you're not really worried if someone actually dies or not. I mean, all the characters in that are basically immortal because Goku's, you know, lacking it up in the afterlife, getting stronger than ever. Yeah, they're hang on, isn't he supposed to be dead? They're exploiting the death mechanics. Yeah, I, don't know, I don't know what you mean, but it's just <clears throat> they don't actually die. It's not like they get die and re, uh, revived. It's just they die and it's just another place over there. Yeah. But they're actually dead, if you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's like death is just another place down the street rather than, you know... Death is so a revolving about, door. Is, yeah. Yeah. Moving away from Western comics then, what about manga, manhwa, that sort of thing? Um, I'd say that like because of the format of manga, it tends to end on cliffhangers. Hmm. And it tends to... I mean, I know comic books do that, but I think we've become dull to... Yeah, I yeah. mean, especially like the the superhero ones, we've become dumb, dull to the weekly serials of uh, yeah. the the. If you have a cliffhanger every week, it doesn't have the same weight anymore. Yeah. And uh, I think because manga are generally self-contained stories, I mean, outside of the big long-running serial serials like One Piece or something, um, a a run could could end. A character could die. Uh, you know. Well, I mean, when you say a run could end, that it, that often happens. Um, there was a brilliant manga series about uh, a, about medieval doctors called Asclepius. Um, it was fantastic, really well drawn, really interesting storyline. Got cancelled after got cancelled after you know on the sixteenth chapter and the seventeenth chapter. That was it, and mm-hmm. that was it done. Yeah, you know, uh, and the story just basically ended where the author could end it. That's it, and it's sad because it it makes the story feel rushed. There was loads of intensity in that manga as well. Loads of interesting, in loads of intrigue, loads of interesting, you know, events, loads of interesting characters, and just kind of ended, gone. Yeah, and most of them are written with an end point in mind. Mm. Uh, sometimes that has to be extended because publishers want more out of them, or. Yeah. It's a, it's tested very well with the public, but they generally genu- generally have the freedom to end the story when they want to. Well, um, no, they don't. Uh, let's not get into that. Pick of the geek. No, the, the, the geek Bleach is a prime example of that because Bleach should have ended a long time ago. Regardless of that, I said, uh, I said aside oh. from the long running serials. Oh yeah, you did. Yeah, pick yeah, pick yeah. of the geek. Then favorite intense comic book, uh, um, oh. comic book moment or animation. Animation moment. Um, one of my favourite, which was way intense than I expected, and was one of the parts I made me fell in love was in Bacano, the rail traces torture scenes, where he's just wow, like, you're dark. <laughs> like it was so intense because I was like, I did not expect it to be this brutal. Yeah, and he's there pushing a, a kid. Like, yeah, there's a part where he, like, bites off a kid's fingers. There's a part where he's pushing a guy's arm into the ground of a, on a moving train that he's hanging him off the side of. There's mm. just... He's talking about how he can, um, like, basically dismantle your arm and carve into your bones and, like... No, there are some moments like that that really, like, um, really increase the... Uh, um, I, I had that with Fate Zero when I was watching that, that there was a moment in like uh, one of the first episodes that I was like, oh, right, okay, this is the show I'm watching. Because mm. I'd seen like I'd seen clips, I'd seen screenshots, 
but I didn't realise that the like the stakes in that as what could happen to people were that uh, were that bleak and that dire. And um, I'd say the same with Hunter x Hunter, in that there's a moment uh, when you first see uh, Killua's way of dealing with a fight. Yeah. It's a very sudden shock that that raises the intensity that, like, oh, this isn't just having fun on this island with other hunters, is it? I think as soon as something establishes that things can go kind of dark, people can die... Like, suddenly the rules of who is safe change. And it can really increase intensity. A moment from a Hunter x Hunter I liked is, I can't remember the name of the guy, but it's the guy who can create portals. And the yeah. first time he goes into the mansion and has uh, Nefropetu's Nen, which is like uh, Chakra, it's like, I don't know, Haki, yeah. whatever sort of device uh, anime is used to imply great power. Yeah. It scares him so much he loses all of his hair and becomes bald, old, and frail. Yeah. That's a great moment in that. But uh, the one I want to pick is Kasha and Sins. I haven't mentioned it in a while. Oh, oh yes. God, yes. Uh, but the episode with the artist. It's it's not great, so big, good. powerful intensity. It's just the fact that it's just this artist who's pouring his life out to create something when the whole world around him is rotting and dying. It's just the personal stakes at that one. I think he's, he's a robot, isn't he? Yeah. That one robot puts in his work is just... So very, it's a it's uh, it's actually amongst the most beautiful episodes of animation, of anime I've seen. Mm. But it is intense in his, yeah. in, the, in the character sort of sticks of what is going on around in the world around him. Kashen Sen's great yeah, series. Yeah. Um, that and the episode where Kashen's being tortured because he feels he deserves to be. Well, Kashen doesn't can't die. He just has a regenerating thing, and he just. He's sick of hurting people, so instead of destroying everybody, he just gives up and lets himself be absolutely messed up, something fierce. And yeah, it's really powerful. Yeah. Bit there, yeah. Um, Especially when he's sort of really screaming when he's regenerating. Yeah. That is, wow, yeah. I find the whole cat and mouse uh, aspect of Death Note really intense. The fact that he's constantly trying to. Like avoid being detected from the authorities yeah, as he's... well as only one kid saw the book yeah. though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> only one kid in the school was looking yeah. out the window. Yeah, we get your gripes with it you've talked about so many times. Let him get on with his point. He raised it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I can't not see it now either. <laughs> yeah. But no, it it it's just a, not only uh, like a game of cat and mouse, but it's it's rivalry at its best as well and it's just so intense. But um, and even then, after sort of like the cutoff point, uh, it, it's, it still continues to just go on. And especially if you are a massive fan of Light, it's just really intense. But then again, it, it's intense favour which character you support, really. But no, okay. that's one I really like. Uh, is that everybody? No, nope, I haven't chosen. Uh, I'm going to choose one manga, one comic. One. Keep it, keep it quick. It'll be, it'll be quick. Um, the uh, in t- in terms of intensity, uh, I'm going to go with the final movie of Karen and Kyokai, the seventh movie. Sorry, mm. that should I should say because the final movie is the eighth movie, the seventh movie of Karen and Kyokai, um, when Shiki finally becomes the thing that she uh, has denied all the time. Okay, don't go away because it's spoilers. I'm not. Heavy spoilers. Um, but uh, and also I'm going to go with Monster. In terms of intensity, there's the first a tension. time you see the uh, yeah the surviving kid. The uh, I mean that is just 
one of the, the most intense scenes in manga. In the car park? Yeah. Much like car park, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Um, and just there's the tension running through the entire manga that just doesn't go away. Guillermo del Toro was going to make that into a TV series. It would have been brilliant. Yeah, he would have done that good. Really good. Okay, can I quickly name a comic? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, well, um, Dogs, Bullet and Carnage. Every flashback to um, Heinz' um, childhood is... It ties a knot in your stomach when you see it. And yeah. you just like you just feel so uncomfortable, and it's just that feeling that it's so intense and it's really well done. Okay, I'm going to throw one in um, <laughs> just quickly. Uh, the Nabe Pot episode of Gintama. Oh God! <laughs> one recently one room, back, yeah. One Nabe Pot. Social anxiety. Yeah, I think I preferred Park anyway. at the end of it. But Epson then falls asleep. <laughs> it's an yeah. episode built up purely around these, like, just just eat. Yeah. Who, who gets to eat from the nabby pot? The toilet episode. The lack of paper. That was intense as well. <laughs> uh, I preferred yeah. the Nabe Shogun one. Uh, the Nabe Shogun one was, was good, the first but one. The toilet one. It's so intense they have to use sandpaper. Um, <laughs> Uh, that's all we have time for yeah. yes it is that's all we have time for uh, next week we are going to do fandom and its impact yeah so uh, join us every week 6 till 8 on thegeekshow.co.uk and uh, visit the website for more reviews more content more we're launching more shows so yeah. they will be provided on our website and all their glory but uh, I have been Rob I have been Ben I was Dave and I've been Ryan and I've been Rob Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. For 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac.